you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Well, you know, that opening reminds me. Sometimes it takes more than just a tune-up. I just picked a car up yesterday that I... I've had the car for a few months, bought it just before my son and daughter-in-law came back from Africa for them to drive. They drove it, drove the wheels off it, but uh, I discovered uh, just a couple days ago that it really needs a new engine. Oil pump failed in it. Pretty new vehicle, oil pump failed in it, and they just made a determination at the service center that there was too much damage done to risk just replacing the oil pump. Now, normally, I don't like to do that to a vehicle. I don't do a major anything to cars. They're too easy just to flip. But this is a pretty nice vehicle, and I made the decision we'd go ahead and put a new engine in it. So I just picked it up last night. Had fun this morning driving it already. It seems to be screaming just like I would expect it to do. But uh, that's a major overhaul. Sometimes maybe in our work life, just switching out the spark plugs, new set of wires is not enough. If you need a new engine, a complete overhaul, stay with us. We're going to be taking questions from you, the listeners, in this edition of 48 Days Online Radio. I am Dan Miller, your host. Here's some of the things we'll be looking at in today's show. Somebody actually said in in their question here, and I hope we have time to get to it. He says, Dan, I've been ridden and beaten like a rented mule at work for eight years. Boy, there's a graphic image. I hope we have time to get to that question. Someone says, Dan, I was asked and committed to 15 hours a week in my church. Since I would not commit to a full-time position, uh, they now have accepted my 15 hours, but say they aren't going to pay anything. What should I do? Interesting quandary. Dan, I'm wondering if you have any suggestions on different ways I can try and sell my book. Well, yeah, having just released Wisdom Meets Passion, I got a whole lot of ideas about what you can do to sell your book. Dan, I want to go about creating my business without spending too much money and too much time and effort. Well, good luck with that plan. We'll we'll talk about what it takes to launch a business. Dan, I agreed on a salary 90 days ago when I started my job, but now that I'm doing it, I feel I sold myself short. What's the best way to ask for a raise? Okay. Dan, I saw this article on CNN.com about why following your passion is bad advice. What do you think? Well, we'll have fun talking about that. You know, I, I, I have a lot of people asking me about my smoothie recipe now this is kind of funny to me i I know that i've mentioned the fact that uh, early in the year i had an appendectomy and it kind of forced me to take a fresh look at what i was doing with my digestive system i made some radical changes stopped eating wheat that includes bread pie cookies muffins all those kind of things and also i have a smoothie every morning that i think really adds to my energy gives me a fresh boost in the morning Great way to start the day. Well, I've had people asking about my recipe for my smoothie, which is kind of hilarious because I am about as incompetent as a chef as you'll ever find. Joanna and I got married very young. She's wonderful in the kitchen. I do nothing in the kitchen. I mean, I don't think I can boil water. If she's out of town, I mean, it's Taco Bell. Hello, where are you? I mean, I don't do anything in the kitchen, so I certainly am not a chef by any stretch of the imagination, but I, but I have put together, based on recommendations of competent people out there, 
what I use every morning in my smoothie. So I've had people asking me about that, so I'm going to have it in the show notes. I'll put it in the podcast notes for today. If you go to 48days.com, click on the podcast, I'll have my smoothie recipe, Dan's smoothie recipe there in the show notes. Well, here's a quotation to get us started. It comes from Thomas Carlyle, who said, a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. Well, we don't need much more on that. Certainly a clear image. A man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. Well, here's an item I saw that just uh, got my attention. It's kind of gross, actually. But, you know, Hurricane Isaac that just came blazing up through the Gulf and hit Alabama and Louisiana and all that. Well, one of the side effects of that is that thousands and thousands of swamp rats were killed in the storm. Now, these are a giant rat. It's kind of an invasive species, but it's wreaking havoc down there in the Gulf Coast shoreline. Now, officials were glad to see that there were hundreds of thousands of these things killed, but at the same time, guess what? They washed up on the shore. Now, somewhere down there, they've got... This is in Mississippi. They've got an event coming up that they call Cruising the Coast the second week of October. And they usually have thirty to 40,000 people you know, coming on the beach. They didn't want to wait and have the people show up. And the beach is littered with dead, decaying bodies of rats. Now, th- this gets really gross. Because when they go pick these things up, because of the way they're decomposing, a lot of times they explode. Now, now here's the point. They need people to go down and pick these things up. What would you take? What would they have to pay you to go down and be a swamp rat disposal guy or gal? What would, what would they pay? Would you do that for 10 bucks an hour? Would you do it for a buck a rat and think you could collect a thousand in a day? I mean, they're hiring people to do that. Actually, what happened is they did hire some people and a whole lot of people quit. A whole lot of people walked off the job. It was just too gross. They couldn't handle it. So they brought in people with city officials with hazmat suits on. So they're doing it. There's really nothing. They aren't worried about disease or anything like that. But it's just a really gross job. You know, when people ask me sometimes, Dan, is it possible for everybody to have a job that they really enjoy? And I always say yes. Now, sometimes people assume, well, then we would all just have these cushy jobs where we sit in air-conditioned cubicles and look at a computer screen or something, their idea of what a perfect job would be. But you know what? People enjoy different things. If I go to a, a Predators game, hockey game here in Nashville, and I see those guys run out there, you know, in the breaks, and they clean off spit and blood, you know, off the plexiglass in the back of the... I mean, some of those guys love their job because of what they're doing there. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. I wouldn't do that for all the tea in China. But that's the beauty of being wired differently, where we can do different things and find different things that we enjoy. Well, if you want a job picking up dead rats, if that's your dream job, there's an opportunity for you down at the golf course. You can go down there and check it out. Well, let's go to some real-life questions here. CS from Amarillo, Texas says, I have a business on eBay making curtain balances to supplement my teaching job. I can make almost as much on eBay as in my teaching job, but I'm working late into the night and I'm very tired. How can I make residual income from this business? 
This extra income has changed our lives for the better. I would like to have multiple streams of income from now on. I've read Mark Victor Hansen's books this summer and want to become an enlightened millionaire. Thanks for all you do. I listen to your podcast every week and I tell others about you all the time. Well, thanks for your question, CS. You know, if you look in, like which book is it? In Mark Victor Hansen's book, The One Minute Millionaire. He talks about enlightened millionaires there. And if you go to the back of the book and open it up, he thanks these enlightened millionaires for partnering with him. If you look in there, it's a long list. Somewhere in there is my name, Dan Miller. I'm in there because I was part of that initial group of enlightened millionaires who went through that program with Mark Victor Hansen. Of course, Mark is the co-author of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series, the Aladdin Factor, a whole bunch of other books. Great, generous, uh, wonderful gentleman guy. But um, anyway, I'm delighted you're reading his books. Now, you're making balances, selling them on eBay, wondering how you can get residual income. You've got a great setup. You know, on eBay, you're plugged into the biggest commerce system in the world, but you can't get residual income from something that you're making one at a time. Now, just if we kind of break down the difference between linear and residual income, linear, you do something once and you get paid once. Residual income implies you do something once and get paid 10,000 times. Now, there are a lot of ways to do that. If you're making balances, you're getting linear income. And that's what most people are used to. If you're working at McDonald's, asking if you want fries with that, or if you're a brain surgeon, you're making linear income. It may be at different levels, but it's the same thing. You do something once and you get paid once. What I look for are things that I can, in fact, do one time and get paid 10,000 times. Now, it's easy to see that as a writer. So if I write an ebook, sure, 10,000 times. If I write a new book, Wisdom Meets Passion, sure. I write it once, get paid 10,000 times, you know, again and again and again, hopefully, in that case. In your case, making balances, you make them one time, you sell it, get paid. Here's how you could, a couple ways you could move into residual income. You could make a pattern for a balance and show other people what they need in terms of materials and the pattern to do that. And then you sell the pattern and the list of materials. All of a sudden, then you have put that into a a package, into a format where you could get residual income because people could order that at 3 a.m. in the morning while you're sleeping. It could be delivered. So you never have to do the work to actually make the balance. So you're showing people how to do it rather than doing it yourself. And a lot of people have made a whole lot of money when they got involved in gift baskets or birdhouses or whatever, because they moved from actually doing the gift basket or birdhouse to creating patterns and instructions to show other people how to do that. I just bought a set of instructions. I want to do it with my granddaughter to make a bird feeder for her daddy, my son-in-law for Christmas. And it's a pattern for how to do that. It's really cool. Both outsides are a cardinal. They sent me the, the eyes that go on and so we can make this thing well they can sell that over and over and over again because it's a pattern not the actual bird feeder itself the other thing you could do is contract with other people to do the work to make the balances that's a little bit different format but there again you could create residual income because you could take then 10,000 orders in today and just farm those out where you're not actually having to do the work so you can do that and and again I encourage you on the path that you're on Keep looking for ways that you can take what is working well for you now and turn that into residual income. 
Well, Tyler from Houston, Texas says, Dan, my pastor recently asked if I would consider working for the church full-time as a director of finance. Because I love my current job in corporate America, which pays me double what the church could offer, I declined. The pastor and the leadership team thought I was still the right person for the role and asked how many hours I could devote. After much prayer and discussion with my wife, I committed to 15 hours a week for a 90-day trial period. Although our conversations and planning led me to believe this would be a paid part-time position, and I know there's earmarked money in the budget for this, my pastor said he was not planning on paying me. I'm now six weeks in. I love working with the church, but also believe that my time, commitment, responsibility, and added value merit pay. Am I being greedy, or do I have validation to require compensation? Okay, Tyler, that, we could go any one of six different directions with this. So I'll, I'll give you a couple examples. 15 hours a week is a lot to volunteer. There's no question about that. If you can maintain your life balance with that, then I'd recommend you just volunteer and not complicate by your relationship with the church by trying to you know negotiate, pay for that. In, in an ideal world, actually, I think in an ideal world, people should volunteer for the work they do at a church. I think churches would run a lot more smoothly and more effectively if they did that. I think things get complicated very quickly when church staff are paid. Now, I was raised Mennonite, and in that environment, that's exactly how we did it. Nobody got paid. They were volunteers. Your ministry was something you volunteered to do, including my dad, who was a pastor of a church. That was a volunteer position. We didn't create any income for living from that, and once in a while they'd take up a little tiny love offering as a just a kind of a token but it certainly wasn't something we lived on he was a farmer and in that denomination that's still primarily what they do there's a lot of churches that are still structured like that and then there are churches like the mormon church and my gosh everybody in that all the way up to the top dog is a volunteer and again they have millions of dollars to build buildings, do missions work, do all kinds of worthy things around the world because they're not sucking it dry by paying staff. Well, that that's a possibility and certainly probably not likely to change overnight in your church, Tyler, but I, I think you were wise in your situation to make a 90-day trial period. In that period of time, you make your decisions regarding this and then tell the church in the next two weeks. You're already more than halfway through the 90-day period. Just tell them what you decide. You may decide you could offer them four or five hours a week as a volunteer, but not 15. Or if it really takes 15 to do the job, then tell them what dollar figure you think would be fair and then stick to it. But see, you, you can see already when you start negotiating those things with your pastor and your church, it puts you in a different position. You, you then all of a sudden are an employee rather than just a valued congregation member, and it complicates things. It's like um, Dave Ramsey talks about you loan money to a family member. It changes Thanksgiving dinner. Well, it's, it's almost the same. If all of a sudden now you're going to a church where they're paying you, I mean, how does that change your perspective of this is a place you choose to worship, the friends you choose to be around? But anyway, I, you, you're wise to be in a 90-day trial period. Make your decisions there. Present what you think is reasonable, whether it's as a volunteer in shorter hours or being paid for what you're doing then stick to it. If, if, if it's refused, then just end your 90-day period and move on. Ryan says, I wrote a book about a year ago and I've gotten a lot more into marketing it. I recorded the audio version of it and I'm wondering if you have any suggestions on different ways I can try and sell it. Well, you, you've heard me a lot on here talk about how you sell a book, art, music, 
mean, those things all have some commonalities, but there's tons of things you can do. People often ask me, you know, Dan's, what, what was the one thing that kind of tipped the scale for you? What was it that all of a sudden, you know, things just really worked? And I tell them, I have no idea. I really don't. I have no idea. You know, was it all the hundreds of times that I spoke to rotary groups and church groups, you know, at no charge? Was it the newsletter that I gave out free for 10 years? Was it the community seminars that I did for eight years? You know, I don't know what it was. I just did a whole lot of things. And all of a sudden, the compilation of those, you know, started to work a little more smoothly for me and certainly continue to do so. But if you've got a book and now you've got an audio on it, you want to market it, I mean, get on Amazon, make sure it's there. Amazon's got some really cool programs. I mean, you may give your book away for 30 days. Get on Kindle. You can easily do it there. You know, give it away for a short period of time. Try to seed the audience. Get some buzz going about it. Do a blog on the topic of your book. I don't know what the topic of your book is, but, you know, do a blog. Get involved in the the internet community with others who are also providing input on that particular area of expertise. Do a regular podcast. Get it up on iTunes and Stitcher. Present yourself as being a radio and TV guest. I mean, have a hook. What is a particular hook out of your content? I mean, I have a friend, Alex Carroll, who wrote a book, Beat the Cops. And his thing is how to get out of a speeding ticket every time. And he's, for years, he's booked himself week after week after week on radio shows because it's a really hot topic. He's on drive time in the morning for the most part. So people are rushing to get to work. A lot of them in, at risk of getting a speeding ticket. And he's talking about how to get out of a speeding ticket every time. Well, he's sold thousands and thousands of his book, Beat the Cops, just by himself, self-published, because of making himself a very appealing radio guest. You can do that. I'm doing a lot of radio interviews right now. I mean, next week I'm scheduled. I know I've got one day where I've got nine of them scheduled, and we schedule them just back-to-back. I mean, a lot of times I don't have five minutes in between. I'll switch from one to the next, just boom, new lines connected, and we go. I mean, I love doing radio. It's a great way to get buzz going. Yesterday I did, well, it's a taping, so it's not up yet, but I did... It'll, it'll be a blog, but we videoed it with Mike Hyatt. Now, if you are in the blog world at all, you probably know Michael Hyatt, former CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers. He has a massive blog audience. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll have a blog up with video interview with me on there. Well, that gets exposure to you know, a quarter of a million people. I mean, those kind of things are what you need to look for if you want to get your market out there, get your book out there and market it. Well, just a reminder here, this is Dan Meller, your host for 48 Days Online Radio that you're listening to, coming to you every week where we go through questions you submit, we break them down. If you've got a question, just go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, you'll see a little box pop up there, I'd be happy to entertain that as a possibility for an upcoming show. Sheila, now this is this is an audio here. Let me pull Sheila up so you can listen to Sheila's question. Sheila from Texas. Let's see what she has to say. Hi, Mr. Miller. This is Shella Merchant speaking. Shella. I am actually um, thinking about creating something, and um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I'm from uh, Friends with Texas, and I'm thinking about creating something for children. And I just don't know, like, I have a lot of ideas of what I want to create. I just don't know that if it's something that I can do without a lot of help. Um, So, for example, I want to create something that will help mothers when they go out of town, like a little backpack to go with some supplies. And um, just a lot of those things are already created, but I have an idea of what I want to do for a specific market. How do I go about just creating that and without spending too much money and um, too much time and effort? Um, and I guess that's my question. I guess I don't know what the next step is. And if you could help me out with that, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. I don't play a lot of audio questions on here, as you know. I usually condense them down to a real short, concise little thing so we can move through them very quickly. I want you to listen to that. And, Shell, I'm certainly not picking on you, but it's clear from your the way you stated your question that you need to be way more specific. I mean, that's what you need to do. It's great having a lot of ideas. That's a wonderful starting point, but you need to really zero down if anything is going to come out of this that's really meaningful and profitable. I would start with a business plan. Go to the 48days.com site, click on 48 days or, or on resources, and then 48 days worksheets. There's a business plan in there. It's, it's free. You can just download it. Go through that and see if you can shape this idea that you have, so you really see it come alive on paper. Now, you don't have to pay a lot of money to anybody. You don't have to, you know, go do anything. I mean, you might check in with the local small business development center or check with the guys at SCORE, Service Corps of Retired Executives. It's through the Small Business Administration, and they're usually connected through a local office or through a local university. So you can help them or get them to kind of help you shape this. But the big thing is be specific. Decide on one product. If it's a little backpack with some things in it, just refine that. Make a few of those. Make four or five of those. See if people like it. Go to a street fair. Put it up on Etsy, etsy.com. That's a great place to try ideas like that. Now, the bottom line is there's nothing that's going to work if you want to do something without spending too much money and too much time and effort. I mean, ideas just don't come to life like that. It's going to take more money and more time and more effort than you ever dreamed. But if you are committed to it and it's something that really has value, then by all means do it. I mean, that's why most people don't do anything extraordinary. They just do their mundane, boring lives because that's the path of least resistance. It takes a lot of work. This is like, boy, this is like getting... There's a boy, there's a phrase that um, Dave Ramsey used. It's like escaping stupidity. And we, we talk about that. It's like being the moon circling around the earth because of the, the gravity pull. It's like, how do you get out of that orbit? That's almost like how it is to get out of stupid, but it, it's how, what it takes to launch an idea because gravity will pull you right back in to just what's easy and predictable. So if you want to get out that, do something, even on a small scale, that's really profitable for you, meaningful for you. It does take a lot of effort, but don't shy away from that. But be specific. Make a business plan for what you want to do. Test it small and you can launch this thing. Let me know when you when your success is up and running. I'd love to share that. This comes from JL. 
who says, Dan, I just completed my 90 days with a new company. I agreed on a salary prior to taking the job, but now that I'm doing the job, I feel that I may have sold myself short due to the complexity of the work. So I was wondering what's the best way to ask for a raise. All right. Now, I hope you can put yourself, JL, on the other side of the equation here as well. Put yourself in your boss or the company owner's shoes as well as we think through this. Because, and I'm totally outside. Now, I'm, I'm, so I'm just an outside observer. To me, it would, be, it would appear almost dishonest to accept the job under the terms that you agreed on and then 90 days in say, no, I changed my mind. I need more money. Here's what I would recommend. You're already 90 days in. So the best way to, is to, do what, to accomplish what you want to accomplish, do an absolutely remarkable, outstanding, extraordinary, stellar job for six months and then ask for a performance review. At that point, document what you've done and make a case for compensation review, but not now. Absolutely, 100%. Not now. It would seem disingenuous. It'll, it'll deteriorate any trust and respect that you're building in the position. If you this quickly say, nope, I can't do it for this. I need more money. Now just duck your head. Man, six months will go by in a blink of an eye. And at that point, just say that you'd like to do a performance review. Company may be used to doing them once every year, but it's not uncommon for somebody to ask. And then at the performance review, then document what you're doing, bring in their stats from salary.com where based on the level of responsibility that you have, the average compensation for that in your area is $10,000 more than what you're getting or whatever. Be able to document it and just have the discussion, but only after you've had at least six months of doing work that lets them know you absolutely are essential to them accomplishing what they want to accomplish. This comes from Mark in Ohio. Mark says, several years ago, probably around eight or 10, I watched an article on one of the news services about a new market that was opening up in California. These provided all types of services, hairstyling, auto repair, et cetera, that catered to people who worked nine to five. Though I live in a rural area, I know tons of people that to take off work to conduct business would mean a loss in their hourly income. Is this a viable target market in 2012. Yes, Mark, it absolutely is a valid business idea. Now, can I be confident it's going to work in your area? No, but it's certainly a valid business idea. But you're talking about then having evening or weekend hours available for people who work. Certainly a valid proposal. But but on the other side of that equation is now you have to find people who are willing to work outside of the nine to t- nine to five time range. And that may be difficult or you may have to pay them more. So you'd have to have a steady stream of cu- customers to make it work. I mean, it can't be that just, well, here's two or three people where it was inconvenient for them to come in between nine and five. And so, you know, they show up, but it doesn't really fund your business model. So I don't know. I mean, you'd have to have some trial and error, do some market research to see if you think there was enough reason to justify this in your area. I mean, personally, I like doing all those things that you talk about during regular work hours. So I don't have to tie up evenings and weekends. I don't want to work a full day and then have to go, you know, get my car serviced or pick up dry cleaning or 
get my hair cut or whatever, those things that you mentioned. I don't want to have to do those outside of business hours. So I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not a good judge of it because um, with my work schedule, I can make my work schedule and I'm not losing income because I take two hours out of the middle of the day to go do something else. But I think it would be challenging because of the other part of the equation in you having to have people who are willing to work those very hours that the other people are trying you know, not to break up. Well, Fred from um, Otiwa, Otiwa, Tennessee. Haven't heard of that town. It says, Dan, I saw this article on CNN.com about why following your passion is bad advice and was wondering what your thoughts were about it. Uh, you don't have to waste your time reading it. I completely understand your new book on wisdom and passion is great. Thanks for keeping us inspired. Well, Fred, I did go read the article on CNN and it is a very direct article advising people not to follow their passion, just to do what's responsible where you have proven skill. And it sounded to me like how to create a very boring yet predictable life. Well, there are always going to be people who choose that path. When the, the things that I write, you know, do I expect a hundred percent of the people out there to really engage with it and think it's the coolest thing that came down the pike? Not a chance. You know, th- those of us who are writers or have some kind of a platform will tell you, you know, none of us are looking to have a hundred percent of the people agree with you, us. If they do, nobody would listen. Now just think about it. I mean, think about the political animosity that's going on right now, which is way over the top and a, a a sad state of affairs for all of us, but that's another story. They certainly think about a politician that everybody would agree with. I mean, there's no such animal. It just conceptually doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't exist in any area where we really want to have a voice. Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote rich dad, poor dad. I heard him say one time that if you really want to have a powerful voice, you need to have a third of the people who love you, a third who hate you, and a third who just don't care. Now, that may sound pretty radical, but, but think about people who have a strong voice out here in the marketplace. I mean, take, let, let's just take the money area. So we have Robert Kiyosaki, Susie Orman, and Dave Ramsey. They are all very, very opinionated. They have some opinions that are diametrically opposed to each other. They have all become extremely wealthy as a result of their narrow opinions. So really, you know, it doesn't bother me to have somebody that says my ideas suck wind or whatever. I mean, we're always going to have people with different opinions. I welcome that. And uh, I just happen to disagree with the author of that article and I'm sure he disagrees with me, and that's okay. We can both go on and be very successful. And when you, when you look for things that are going to resonate with you, I mean, I read a lot of books. Do I absolutely love 100% of every word that I read in every book? Well, no. There's a whole lot of things that I disagree with. I mean, the way you become well-rounded and successful yourself is to get the input of a lot of people. I mean, the Bible says there's safety in a multitude of counselors. So you want to get a lot of input and then you make your own decisions for what makes sense for you. So what my voice is about integrating wisdom and passion into your work is one voice. If that fits with you, then I think it's beautiful. 
Uh, I think you'll move into extraordinary living like you cannot do any other way. I don't think you can have an extraordinary life if you just are analytical and just do something that makes sense because you have the ability to do that. No, I work with a lot of people who have proven their ability to do what they do and they hate the life they've created. So I, I want passion to be a integral part of that and I'm going to, and I'm sticking to it. There you go. Thanks for your input. Adam from uh, Ontario says, Oh, this is the one I joked about at the beginning of the show today. Adam from Ontario says, my current job has sucked the life out of me. I used to be an energetic, optimistic person, but after nearly eight years of being ridden and beaten like a rented mule at work, I feel dead inside. You frequently tell people to get out and follow their passions and giftings, but I don't know what those are anymore. After years of working in an environment that finds fault in everything you do, I feel like I'm not talented, gifted, passionate about anything. Got any advice? Yeah, Adam, I do. You need to break the cycle. This is exactly what we're dealing with as I speak in a lot of different places right now on this issue of passion. And a lot of people essentially are saying what you are saying, that they've been doing the same thing They've kind of just been doing what's practical, realistic, or expected of them. And in the process, they've lost touch with who they are. Now, most people don't say it as eloquently as you have. Trust me, I'll, I'll borrow your line here. After nearly eight years of being ridden and beaten like a rented mule at work, I feel dead inside. Boy, is that a great line. And um, I'm, I'm sad that it conveys the feeling that you have right now. But I think you can break that. I spoke one time at at a church over near Memphis and I spoke on, you know, following your dreams and your passions and somebody came up right afterward who had been just totally attentive, right in the front row, real sharp guy. And he said, I don't have any dreams. And I said, that's not possible. You know, describe your life to me. That's not possible. He says, well, I'm a pharmacist. I said, how long have you been doing that? He said, 17 years. And what he described in a three-minute conversation is essentially the metaphor we sometimes refer to where the frog is in the kettle. And we're told that if you throw that frog in hot water, he'll jump out. It's hot. But if you put him in lukewarm water and slowly turn up the heat, he'll sit there and cook to death. Now, I don't know if that's scientifically accurate or not, but it creates a great picture for us. And this guy, this pharmacist, described the same thing. The changes in his profession had been slow and subtle. He never did anything to respond. He just kind of succumbed to those changes, and all of a sudden, they were so radical that he no longer knew who he was. He was a robot dispensing pills, and he had lost touch with who he was. Well, in a case like that, or in the case, Adam, that you're describing, you need to break the cycle of that same rut. Do things that will prompt new input into your life. Read a couple books this month that you would otherwise not read. Go to an art show. Go to a concert. Go to a seminar. Hang out with some people that you've never hung out before. Drive a different way to work. Go visit a place that you've never been to before. Just do something to force new input into your brain. Now, what will also happen in doing so, you'll raise your perception antenna. This is how this works. This is a really cool phenomenon. I had somebody at at our our Coaching with Excellence conference just last week that we had here, and we were walking along the trail, and she asked me, you know, can you train yourself to be creative, to see things that other people don't see? And I said, absolutely, you can. Now, think about what happens. 
If you go out tomorrow and you buy a red Volvo 850 Turbo, you know what you're going to see the next day? You're going to see about six of those on the road, other red 850 Volvos. And you think, oh my gosh, did everybody go out yesterday and buy a red 850 Volvo? No, they were there all the time. You just weren't attuned to noticing them. There's a process. It's a physiological process. It's called reticular activator. That means reticular, of course, let you know we're talking about the eye. Your eyes see things that now they're tuned to seeing. They had the capability of seeing all the time, but you never noticed them, never came into your awareness because you were not aware of them. Reticular activator means now you're paying attention. Now you see those things because it somehow relates to something that's important with you. We do that all the time. If things get your attention, if you start knowing that you're looking for other things, you'll start noticing things. Wow, there's a new little shop that opened up. I wonder what they're doing. Wow, I just heard something on the radio about a new idea. Geez, I walked down to the end of the driveway with my granddaughter to get the mail, and she mentioned something. It made me think about something in a new way. Now I'm seeing that dead cedar tree in my property, and I think about that beautiful eagle that Dan had carved into a dead tree on his property. Maybe I could do something with that tree other than just cut it down and dealing with an, an ugly stump. You, so you attune yourself to tune into your passions and you can really do that. So even though you feel like a, a beaten rented mule <laughs> and you can become a thoroughbred again, trust me, if you find that inner spark, you find again, you give a little margin in your life to tap into your own passion. You can release that thoroughbred in there. That's waiting to get out. Yeah, like, great question. Ah, well, this comes from Emmanuel in London, England. It says, Dan, I'm a web designer trying to amalgamate my nine to five job with my own business. However, I can't seem to work out what services I can provide to give me a residual income. Do you have any suggestions? Highly value your helping this. Thanks, Emmanuel. Again, from London, England. If you're a web designer, yeah, that is something where a lot of times you're paid just for your time. So you are locked into what we described earlier as linear income rather than residual. But you can make that transition. Here's a couple ways you could do it. You could offer people a service agreement where they pay you $299 for a six-month agreement or whatever. You come in and scan their computer to look for viruses and unnecessary files, and then you're available for other tech questions that they may have. So in that sense, you kind of build in a residual. You're available People aren't likely to abuse that. So you've got locked in contracts to provide new income, even if you aren't doing anything in particular at that time. I mean, what we do with our web people is essentially that. I mean, we have major projects that we work on, but for the most part, our web people are on monthly retainers. Well, we may go a month and not need them for anything. Well, frankly, I'm not sure that ever happens. We're always changing things, but I know there are times when we don't use their full capacity or what we've contracted for. So we just have them on retainer because we want them available. We want to have them blocked out a certain amount of time if we need them. But if you move into those kind of agreements, you can start to build residual income, you know, as a web designer. Hey, this is Dan Meller, your host here on 48 Days Online Radio. You know, I love this time of the week, every week where I open that file with all the questions from you, the listeners sort through we grab a few that we can talk about together here and just uh it helps me i mean I, there's 
This is not just um, altruistic service, trust me. It helps me to do a little research and figure these things out and look at how I've applied these in my own life and business and how I've used these principles to, to help increase my own success. But if you've got a question, you can go to the 48days.com site, click on the podcast link, and it'll give you an opportunity to ask a question there. Cindy from Newport News, Virginia says, I left, I left a year ago my ministry job after being there for two years, shortly after I began working with local businesses, setting up and maintaining social media. I also began getting more involved in photography and video editing. I have a lot to learn, but I'm much happier than I was working for others. My question is this, aside from learning as much as possible, how can I further my business? Are there other directions I could possibly take it? I've been offered part-time work with a marketing agency, which I will be doing, but at 28 years old, I really do enjoy self-employment and would like to find a way to sustain it, even if I need to go a different direction. Thoughts? Well, Cindy, I went and checked out your website, and I would encourage you on your website to show who you are. I mean, it goes goes there, and it's very... Um, it's kind of a, a cerebral, intellectual presentation of what you do and your services. There's there's nothing that shows who you are, what you're all about, what makes you tick, other things that you're interested in. I mean, keep in mind, people don't do business just because they get a particular service. Now, I'm going to exaggerate this a little bit, but people do business with real people. And I, I described that I just had an engine put in a car, major transaction. I don't just do business with people that tell me they're competent. I do business with people I know, trust, and like. I mean, when we got, we picked up that car yesterday, I even questioned the guy as to whether he was charging me enough because it seemed amazingly reasonable for the work that he had done. And in the, with the new engine, he also, you know, changed the oil, put new Freon in, uh, new fluids and power steering, new spark plugs, new wires and all that. I said, did you really account for all those parts and everything you did on top of the labor estimate that you gave me? He said, oh, yeah, Mr. Dan, that's okay. That's fine. Well, I, you know, I send him lots of customers and send him gifts and things. But I, I mean, I, that's the way I feel about it. I trust him that much that I wonder if he's, even charging me enough. Now, this is on auto mechanic work. How many people describe that kind of a relationship with their auto mechanic? I mean, 99.9% of the people I talk to assume they're getting ripped off by an auto mechanic. I deal with somebody I trust and like. When we got finished, I told him, I says, golly, it's, you know, six o'clock. Joanne brought me up here. It's a little ways from our house, a part of town we don't go to often. And I said, I know there's a lot of ethnic restaurants in here. What would you recommend? He recommended a Persian restaurant for us. We went there and it had an amazing experience with, again, with people that we really learned to like. We'll go back to that. But that's the relationship that I have with a guy that does work in my car. Somebody I know, trust, and like. That's what you want. You want on your website, Cindy, you, you want to make it more personable. Who are you? What do you like? What else are you involved in? Let people get to know you so they want to do business with you. It's not going to be your business isn't going to grow just because you talk about the analytical kind of services you can provide. I mean, one of the things that I think has allowed 
my success is that we share so transparently about our lives. Now, some people have questioned that. Oh, don't ever let people know where you live. You know, don't ever put a real address, you know, on a website or anything. And I'm thinking, you got to be kidding me. If I can live in that kind of a a cocoon, you know, I'm going to do something else. Now, that's why when we have events, now we, we have live events and a lot of people want to come to those. And so we close those off and it would make sense to go to a larger place, go to the Marriott Hotel or something and hold events there. We aren't just holding events to teach material. We're holding events so people can experience a little bit of the life that we've created. So people come here to the sanctuary on our property and they walk our property that we have on the last night we have dessert over at our house. Now we have the the meetings, the sessions, the teaching over here in the sanctuary, which is, you know, 300 yards from my house. But then on the last night, we go over there and Joanne opens a house. And, you know, if it's cold, we have the fireplace going and people sit around in our house and we share life together. That is a whole lot different experience than just, well, I'm going to buy this guy's book because he's an author and he wrote a book. I mean, I want people in my books to experience the life that I live. And so we share very openly and have allowed people to come into our lives. And and we've had the pleasure of entering other people's lives in a thousand and different ways. Let me grab one more question here. Oh, here's okay. Let me do this one. Incidentally, uh, sending your question, you know, I appreciate that, you know, 28 years old, the event that we just had here, we had uh, a guy who was 24 years old, wants to be a coach well, we usually think about coaches being a little older than that. He was 24 years old. And then we had somebody 31 years old, um, Patrick Fleming, who wants to coach in the music industry. Just really neat guys. They know what they want to do. And I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I just spoke this week at Belmont University. Uh, they had to delay my, the start of my speaking 10 minutes because they had to keep bringing in chairs for all the people that showed up. The biggest crowd they've ever had for this kind of a, an event. And here I am, an old guy. But I, I love the fact that this new book, especially Wisdom Meets Passion, is engaging people of all generations. And I love you know working with the, the 24-year-olds who are saying, I want to do some things right. You know, I want to make sure that I'm already building wisdom into my life, not just passion. Now, that being said, here's a question. This comes from Brad. Brad says, I listen to your podcast. I've read your books, not the new one yet, but I'm sure I will. I may be having a bad day, but I'm starting to think your concepts are just pie in the sky. Kind of like the perfect models who sell exercise equipment saying all you have to do is buy my exercise equipment, slide it from under your bed each day and exercise for just 10 minutes. Then you will look like me. What if you maybe took 10 minutes of your podcast with folks who call in telling how your ideas worked and how they applied them? Kind of like when Dave Ramsey has folks calling in saying how people got debt free. Brad, that is a stellar idea. I can't believe that I've not done more of that. I I try to pack as much in as I can in the podcast with questions from people who are really having challenges. But we get hundreds of letters from people who say, oh my gosh, you know, I'm going to start doing that. Let me just add a a couple real quick ones here in the minute we've got left. This comes from... uh, uh, Andrew says, just wanted to say thank you. I've spent my entire professional life with the same company. I started nine years ago. Blah, blah, blah. Then I heard Dave Ramsey talking about your book. I bought it that day. Prior to doing so, I had attempted to apply it a few different places with no luck. After reading 48 Days and applying it, I was successful with a great company. I'm starting with them in a couple of weeks. I honestly 
believe I would still be mindlessly sending out bad resumes and following up on them if it had not been for 48 days to the work you love. I've already been recommending it to others. Um, Dan, come from Heidi. I'm telling you this, a long letter, because I firmly believe you played a strong role in helping me get where I am. This would, I would not view this job for what it is had I started five years ago. Timing is everything. She goes on with, oh, thanks for all you do. I hope you can see how God is working through you to work in others' lives because you're doing what he wants you to do. I share your book with everyone. I'm grateful I found you. This comes from Andy who says, you are getting this note from me today because you've helped me get to where I am today. Tonight I'll have dinner with Andy Andrews. Tomorrow I'll have full access to a Woman of Faith event where we'll explore how I might be able to help their brand grow through creating audio content. And he's said, go on, thank you for getting me here. You wrote a book, shared an affirming word, gave me a place to stay, sent me gifts of encouragement, and showered me with confidence. I believe my life is going to change in a wonderful way thanks to the opportunities before me this weekend and the rest of the year. If I am the sum of all my friends, then my life will most certainly be successful because you are all such amazing people. He wrote this to five guys. Um, this comes from Ross. Thank you. Again, I don't know Ross. No More Dreaded Mondays is causing me to have chest pains. There should be a health warning on the front cover. Realizing you've lived a life of fear and not living from your heart is unbearable, but refreshing at the same time. Thank you for listening to your heart so that others may find theirs. Well, golly, great reminder. I need to do that. I need to share not just the problems people are having, but the successes they're having as people find their own passion and wisdom and go into living extraordinary lives. Thanks for the reminder, Brad. I will make a point to do that. We can do without a couple challenging questions to share the successes that people are having. Believe me, it doesn't matter what the economy is. This is a great time to be finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. Don't settle for less.